It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. Welcome in. It's the Friday edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Dustin Hawkins with here with Johnny McGonagall. It's whiteout week for Penn State, uh, looking to return to their home field, looking to return to a higher quality of play, and looking obviously to get back in the win column in front of an energized crowd, which, Johnny, I think that is such an important element. It's always an important element of the whiteout, but you think about where this Penn State fan base is mentally right now, uh, I think the whiteout comes at a perfect time to try to generate some enthusiasm that might not have been there if this were a noon kick or something uh, against Minnesota. So I think uh, obviously going to be huge in this matchup. What do you see as some keys and some thoughts to, to this game? Penn State, I think, around a four-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on where and when you look. Yeah, Dustin, you, you mentioned the atmosphere, and I do think that's going to play a factor, especially in a game that is projected to be tight and it's projected, you know, Minnesota is going to give Penn State a game. And I think Minnesota's running game, Mo Ibrahim, the offensive line that they've got there, it's big, it's burly, it's nasty, especially on the interior. John Michael Schmitz at center, uh, flanked by Axel Rushmeyer, uh, and then uh, Chuck uh, Filiega, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, Michigan transfer. Uh, those guys open up holes for Mo Ibrahim, and he's very much a, uh, you know, the Penn State fans might get like flashbacks that uh, from – Blake Corum uh, in, in terms of the way he, he falls forward and gets those extra yards all the time. So uh, it's going to be up to Penn State's front seven uh, to lock things down. It's going to be up to the crowd to make it difficult on whoever the quarterback is for Minnesota because you know, Tanner Morgan carted off last week with a head injury. Uh, his status is up in the air, uh, so we don't know if it'll be him or his backup. Uh, but whoever's a quarterback, Penn State fans have to make it difficult on him. Penn State's defense has to make it difficult on Minnesota, and then Penn State's offense has to find some kind of a groove because, you know, they've been out of sorts recently. We talked to Mike Yersich this week. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, they got to get the running game going. they got to get Nick Singleton popped for, you know, a couple of, couple of long runs, Katron Allen, get him in a rhythm, uh, and get Sean Clifford. Uh, you know, first of all, he has to make the throws, but they got to get him some easy access throws and get Parker Washington and the tight ends the ball because those guys haven't been getting uh, enough targets recently. Yeah, I know, um, you know, Yersich and, and uh, James Franklin talked about the tight end usage of, of this offense and wanting to see more of that. And Theo Johnson maybe coming out and, and uh, being more healthy this time around. So there are some elements of this offense that that need a little bit of a nudging along. And um, I think all those names you mentioned and, and Minnesota's offensive line, you hear anybody come from Michigan, it's going to be – it's like PTSD, you know, to have another Michigan offensive lineman. They they finish with Michigan. They're still dealing with Michigan with this guy. Uh, but I, I feel like, you know, um, Mo Ibrahim, such a big physical back. Like Blake Corum, I, I think the, the parallels are there and the ability to kind of move forward all the time. But, you know, he is a load to bring down. And it's like 
Man, I mean, I think Minnesota's path to victory in this one probably means putting the ball in his hands like 30 times, especially if Tanner Morgan doesn't play. And uh, they're really good. It's going to be another big test of like, okay, what did you learn from Michigan? Are you ready to strap it up? Um, are you ready to deal with another physical offensive line, especially this time with with a, a huge back who kind of like, I, I would say Chase Brown from Illinois too, who, who rushed for a lot of yards in that nine overtime game last year. You know, this is going to be a legitimate challenge defensively. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what did you learn and what do you take away? What can you apply for Michigan in this game? Absolutely. And when, look, when we talked to P.J. Mustafer in that visiting media room at, at Michigan Stadium at the big house, he said it was embarrassing. He said it was embarrassing to get run on for 418 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, we're talking this week uh, to Nick Tarburton, you know, more of a, a run-stopping defensive end. He's made some plays uh, across the board this year. But he was talking about the the uh, attitude that the defense had during its Sunday film room, how, you know, they watched the film together and they saw all the misplays and missed opportunities that they had. And they were so – they're so eager and, and uh, even excited uh, to get that corrected and to be challenged again. Um, this might be a good thing for Penn State's defense. You know, right after – you would think that – you know, they're kind of licking their wounds and they have to go face a similar minded opponent with you know similar features. But if anything, you know, coming back to that crowd at Beaver Stadium, uh, it's people are going to be out and about all day. It's a night game. It's going to be it's going to be raucous. It's going to be crazy. And to be able to kind of exercise some demons almost right away, like from the jump, if they're able to do that, because that's a big question. It's still an if uh, it's nice to say you're excited for the challenge, but you got to stand up to it. And so uh, P.J. Mustafer, Akeem Beeman. Uh, these DNs, these linebackers, Abdul Carter, uh, Jonathan Sutherland, uh, you know, Curtis Jacobs, et cetera. These guys have to stand up to the challenge. And uh, that's where the game is going to be decided. Uh, Penn State can score 20 points and win this game. Uh, it's just a matter of if the defense can do its job. Do you think we'll see more of Abdul Carter going forward? I know that was that was a point of, of some fans griping a bit, and I think a, le a legitimate one at that. Um, I know he's not ready for that middle job. I do feel like maybe that's something that's going to be in his future, but how would you get more? Would you just kind of tighten up the rotation and make sure that he's on the field more, especially in this physical run game type setting? Yeah, it is difficult because it's not like he, he's not a Mike linebacker right now, and I don't think Curtis is either. So uh, it's just a matter of, I, I don't know, maybe mixing things up, maybe just saying, you know, you don't need a Mike linebacker out there sometimes, you know, just, you know, especially third downs, you know, they like to do that, the Prowler package, uh, which we've seen Jair Brown get down along the line to scrimmage a little bit more, but he's just an athletic guy. You have to find any way uh, to use him, even if it's in third down and you're using him as like an edge rusher or something. I mean, just, just let the guy go play. Um, he, he, yeah, his reps, uh, we saw that he, he had fewer snaps than I believe it was Sutherland and Elsden uh, in the Michigan game, which, you know, uh, we, we saw how that turned out. Uh, now, look, if Abdul Carter's out there for 60 snaps against Michigan, I don't think, you know, Michigan's not running for 400 yards. You know what I mean? But right. uh, he is a young he's a young kid, but he is really talented. I mean, super talented. And we've seen that uh, in more than just flashes. And so I think you're going to continue to see his role increase as the season goes on. And you're, we're only halfway into his first season. So I think he's his ceiling super high and, and they got to get him on the field. And this is one of those opportunities, like if anything's a real go back to the drawing board moment, it's 41-17 and giving up 418 rushing yards. So we'll see what they do. I know I have it 28-20. Um, I think the over-under set around 44.5. Penn State uh, favored by 4.5. What was your score prediction for this? 20-16, uh, to 16, Penn State. 
I've seen I've seen a lot of picks that range right in that range. I haven't seen anybody pick Minnesota to win, which is interesting. And that's national people. That's you know around the beat. And everybody kind of thinks it's going to be this a similar type of ball game, which to me points to this being something absurd, whether it's 44, 40 or or nine, seven or something like everybody seems to think it's going to go a certain way, which is kind of a dangerous thing for me. It's going to repeat the uh, Michigan four overtime whiteout and it'll just we'll be on the sidelines, you know, and for go down for the final five minutes and then stay down there for five overtimes and be running back and forth and trying to cover it, it'll be it'll be crazy, Dustin, just because, you know, everyone's picking this kind of a slog, muck it up kind of game. It'll be it'll be 60 to 52 or something nuts. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is when all signs point to a certain thing, college football almost guarantees it's not going to be that thing. Yeah. Um, another name that obviously continues to come up, but came up especially this week when Sean Clifford had to leave Michigan and, uh, you know, Drew Aller, like, you know, everybody feeling like the season's gotten away from him. So let's flip the Drew Aller. That sentiment is, is out there. And I know that the coaches addressed that. Mike Yersich addressed that. But you um, also kind of wrote a parallel of, a, of his high school career where he's kind of been in this position before. Yeah, Dustin, uh, on my way out to Michigan last week, I driving out from Pittsburgh. I stopped in Medina, Ohio, uh, and, uh, you know, talked to Drew's high school coach, his athletic director, a teammate. Uh, walked around his high school, saw the saw the new poster that they have ready to display. They got to find a spot for it, you know, saying that he's you know Mr. Ohio 2022 or excuse me 2021. Um, but yeah, Drew went through a similar situation at Medina. He came through. He was a linebacker uh, and a tight end in eighth grade. Uh, he was one of two uh, you know you know, quarterbacks splitting time on the freshman freshman team. It wasn't until his sophomore year that when he joined the varsity team. Uh, that his coach really took him, you know, saw him take a big step. Um, and yet he was still playing, you know, every third or fourth series. You know, they were, he had an older quarterback ahead of him, uh, which sounds kind of familiar, right? And uh, eventually, you know, his head coach went to him and said, when are you going to decide that you're the man, that you're the better quarterback? Uh, and two weeks later, you know, six weeks or eight weeks into his sophomore season, Drew took the job and he kind of ran with it and, you know, ended up, as a senior, 40-some touchdowns, 4,000 yards. And, you know, he just really took off. Um, but, you know, talking to his coach, he said, that, look, he's, he's he understands what he's going through right now because he's been through it, you know, waiting in the wings behind Sean Clifford, and that he knows how to take notes. He knows how to learn. He knows how to mentally prepare that whenever his time comes, he's going to take off like he did at Medina. And so, yeah, I had a lot of fun writing that story. And, uh, yeah, some parallels into what uh, – Drew and Sean are going through uh, right now and what they'll be going through really for the next few weeks here. You are a resource resourceful reporter. I, I know that like if there is an opportunity to get a little synergy out of a situation, Johnny is on it uh, with that. And uh, the, the thing that come that really jumps out to me is like, so his coach says, when are you going to decide you're the man? That is not a question that James Franklin's going to ask Drew Aller. I know that one. Right. Yeah. No, it's it, so it's a little different in that in that regard. Uh, it's a little different in that regard because Drew ended up, you know, during practice after he you know, he was asked that question, essentially, he started just walking into practice and, and maturely uh, the, the way the coach uh, explained it, maturely asserted himself and started taking more reps. I don't think Drew is just going to like do that to Sean. Um, but one thing that did stand out, though, you know, his high school coach said that, you know, when he visited uh, Penn State during the spring, during spring ball, he noticed that every time the quarterbacks broke off into into pairs, 
Drew would go with Sean because they knew that, you know, they wanted Drew to learn uh, from Sean. That's something that Yursich uh, touched on this week uh, quite a bit, too. We spoke to him uh, for the first time since preseason before I was even back on the beat, Dustin. And, uh, you know, so six weeks in here, you know, Drew was named the backup in week one, kind of surprisingly over Bayer. Uh, but he was talking about how much Aller has learned, and yet they're still confident in Sean Clifford. They still love him. They still love what he brings to an offense, The uh, how invaluable he is, the intangibles, the little things that veterans and six-year quarterbacks know, and quote-unquote, that the little things that true freshmen might not you know get sometimes. And so uh, it was interesting to hear from Yersich this week and kind of the reasoning behind a lot of what's happened over the last six weeks for Penn State's offense. Uh, good, good segue into because you know Yursich was most recent to um, address this Aller Clifford situation, and so I want to get into that. I think um, starting with Drew Aller, his thoughts on on him because he went back to that number two decision that was you know so surprising at the time, um, but you know the way that he describes Drew, you know, used the word durability, which you can look at his frame and and do the math and say okay that makes sense, but hadn't really heard them. I don't think talk about that component very much. Um, but I think, uh, the phrase, the ability to stretch the field vertically with good pocket vision. I mean, could you ask for a better one, two punch, especially as you're talking about his note taking, his learning ability, like his attitude, like obviously the arm strength, you see the creativity, all this different stuff. And then that, that combination of skills, stretching the field vertically, good pocket vision, uh, is why he was a five-star in the first place. Well, it's funny, you know, when you're listening to your such talk about is, you know, durability and his ability to, to handle, you know, college college football already at this young age. It brought me back to when I was talking to his high school coach and he was telling me that, you know, as a freshman, he was a dancing skeleton considering how skinny he was. And he really just grew into his body going into that sophomore year that he always had the arm. It was always a lively arm, but he had to grow into, you know, his body and turning turn into now what he's six foot five, 240, 235. I mean, he is, he's built. He, he doesn't look like a freshman, you know, whenever we're at practice, I've said this before, but just watching the ball come out of his hands, it just looks different. Uh, and apparently it sounds different too. I haven't heard his passes. I haven't been that close to it. Um, but his high school coach was telling me that, man, like his, it just sounds different. And so he kept, I, I didn't include this in the story. He kept using Josh Allen as like a, uh, you know, reference point, I guess, for, kind of how Drew plays and his skill set and everything. And it's a little early for that. Uh, you know, no matter a five-star guy, it's a little early for that. But you see what he's kind of getting at. And and there, the parallels there with what Yersich was talking about, the downfield uh, ability and, you know, ability to handle the bright lights too, because he was not expected to come into that Purdue game. Uh, but Yersich said that they, they felt more confident coming out of that game, that when Drew stepped in for that series and looked so poised and uh, looked like he belonged, uh, it, it validated their decision a little bit to make him back up. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Yeah, the, the Josh Allen thing comes up a lot, and it's yeah. um, it's dangerous uh, in some respects. It's unfair 
because it is so early for Drew, but the core there, the the size, the ability to move, the arm. I mean, I think that's the that's the takeaway is that um, he plays with a similar style to Josh Allen. Not saying he will be Josh Allen, though he could be. Um, Sean Clifford, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I struggle to remember a time where the coaches talked about, oh, Sean Clifford, his arm does this. Oh, Sean Clifford's great. You know, like to, to talk about physical, like standout abilities, you almost never hear it. Um, and it, it does come down to, and I think this is another, so you see Drew Aller against Purdue. Um, you get excited, obviously, like when you see how calm he was in that situation on the road, uh, second half, uh, game in the balance, Big Ten game, night game, whatever. Um, and and then you hear all the coaches talk about are, are the little things. You know, all the to- coaches, coaches talk about are leadership and toughness. It's like, tell me what he's doing well as a actual quarterback. You know, like all this stuff kind of feeds the very frustration. I think the, the coaches had the answer to this week. Yeah, everything that Mike Yersich said about Sean Clifford, whether you know, for better or for worse, whatever you want out of your college quarterback. If you're someone that wants someone who's just super toolsy and can just chuck it 70 yards and and looks really smooth doing it, that's not that's not Sean Clifford. But if you want a leader who's tough and gritty and you know, look, that that's what that's how Yersich described Clifford, that's what he values in Clifford as a six-year senior. He said that he mentioned the Purdue game in which he threw that interception, came back, and had the two-minute drive uh, to win it and said that epitomizes Sean and his toughness. Uh, What he brings to our team is invaluable in everything that he does from a leadership standpoint. He does all the little things that a true freshman quarterback may overlook at times. I'm not going to read the whole quote because it's pretty pretty long. Uh, But he also – I don't want to say he made excuses for him. He did say – you know, there are some throws he'd like to have back, but we have to improve everything around him and that quarterbacks, you know, a lot of times it has to do with what goes on around him. And so, uh, I don't know. I mean, yes, the wide receivers, there have been some drops. Uh, the right side of the offensive line, specifically right tackle, I don't think is blocked well enough in terms of giving uh, Sean Clifford time to throw. The left side has done its job. Olu Fashano has been great. Um Sean has missed some throws. He has missed some throws this year. Uh, he has won, you know, he won them the Purdue game ultimately, uh, but he's got to start hitting Parker Washington when he's open. He's got to start, you know, taking some more shots downfield. And Yersich has to call more shots downfield. Uh, so it is a synergy thing. It is a, every, you know, a combination of things, as James Franklin likes to say sometimes. But, uh, yeah, Sean Clifford has to play better. And, and I think everyone knows that no matter the toughness, no matter the grittiness, uh, he's got to play a little bit better. I think some quarterbacks are <clears throat> able to elevate, you know, the, the guys around them are able to overcome when, when things are incomplete, whether that's the offensive line or whether that's like, you know, subpar group of wide receivers or whatever. Some quarterbacks are able to elevate everybody. And those are the elite ones. And I think some quarterbacks are just kind of a product of the entire offense. And I think it's safe to say that Clifford's a product of the entire offense and that's okay. I mean, I think they clearly value his experience and stuff, but like, Things have to go pretty well elsewhere for him to really be in the flow, in the rhythm, and and be a good quarterback. And that certainly wasn't the case at Michigan. I don't think the fate changes a whole lot if Drew Aller is the starting quarterback in that game either. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't lay all of that at the feet of Sean Clifford. But it is just funny to me the you know, the the compliments that that he seems to get. Um, 
can't talk about the whiteout without talking about the recruiting dynamic. And I know we're, you know, we're not going to, there's a lot of really qualified people who are putting together a very, very complete list of, of names here. Um, but I wanted to touch on some bigger themes and I know there's one name in particular that you're more familiar with, but, um, the weekend, as I look at this visitor list, there's a lot of 24 and 25 class guys. Um, it does strike me as a, a building block for the future kind of thing. I'm not sure if any of those guys are ready. You know, Penn State's got one commit in the 24 class so far. I don't know if any of those guys are really ready uh, to pull the trigger. So I'm not sure if there's going to be a commit, but that's, you know, the dynamic that everybody's looking at. What do you think the odds are of a commitment coming out of this weekend? It always it- – Sorry, my my wash my uh my washing machine just went off. So sorry if you heard that. Uh, look, with a whiteout, you never rule anything out, right? Especially uh, especially it seems like at least when I went, you know, going back to when I covered uh, Penn State prior, you know, back in sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, it always felt like you know right before kickoff there was a there was a commit uh, and there was someone who was there on the sidelines, saw the atmosphere, and they're like, all right, I'm in, you know. And so I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, by any means in the 2024 class. You also have, uh, you know, some 2023 guys coming as well. Uh, and so, yeah, I would, I don't know. Uh, I would say maybe, I would say hi. I mean, just because we, we see that happen all the time. But even if it's not like Saturday night, maybe Sunday morning, because a lot of times, you know, these these kids, they you know, the, these recruits, you know, they'll, they'll go back to their hotels, they'll stay with their parents, they'll talk things over. And then the next morning, uh, right before they're about to head out of town, sometimes they, you know, when they dap up Franklin and, and you know, bid farewell, uh, sometimes they'll commit then too. So you see that happen uh, quite a bit, you know, not just in whiteout weekends, but, you know, visiting weekends in general. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it. And, and there are a few guys specifically we'll be keeping an eye on as well. Uh, the list is interesting because, you know, there are names that uh, the relationship with Penn State you know, both ways, it has been clear. That's another step in that direction. I also think there are a number of names who, and I, I can't blame them. If I'm 17, I'm a, a five-star wide receiver. I'm making a lot of comparisons to you and I being five stars and stuff over the past few shows. Nothing could be further from the truth. But anyway, um, if I'm a, if I'm a kid, like, you get a chance. Like, this is an atmosphere that you kind of have to witness. And as a five-star recruit, four-star recruit or whatever, you can get that trip paid for. I would be going to the Penn State whiteout too. So I think there are a number of kids on this list that, yeah, mathematically, maybe Penn State can help itself uh, with them. But I think there are a number of big names on this list who are getting a free trip to check out one of the bi- one of the top atmospheres in college football. Yeah, I don't blame them. Uh, there's a handful of uh, there's a handful of guys who are already committed uh, elsewhere. Uh, one one to look at, Kavion Keys. As uh, a four-star linebacker, 2023 class, he's committed to uh, North Carolina. He's from Virginia. Uh, another one that I'm I'm actually more familiar with is uh, Jasir Whittingham or Whittington. Uh, he is a D tackle um, from Philly, Imhotep, uh, 2024 prospect, four-star on Rivals, and uh, he's committed to Pitt. Now he's an undersized D tackle, which is funny, almost you know that. We compare to what James Franklin said after the Michigan game and saying, you know, we need size, size, size. Um, so they're hosting an under, really an undersized but super athletic and super toolsy defensive tackle from Philly uh, who is committed to Pitt. And he's committed to Pitt primarily because he saw what Charlie Partridge, Pitt's defensive line coach, uh, did with uh, Kalijah Cansey. Um, and uh, he's a, an All-American type of player at Pitt right now. 
And then, you know, in the past with Pitt, what they what they did with Aaron Donald uh, and just the undersized D tackle, the, that kind of guy who's come through that program. And so it is interesting to see him visiting because uh, when I talked to him uh, before I took, be, you know, when I back when I was covering Pitt, and I took the job. Uh, you know, he seems super excited about community Pitt and he seems super locked in. So we'll see if that's another one where it's just like, hey, maybe he has some buddies that are going to the game and he just wants to, you know, make the three hour drive up to State College and enjoy it. Um, wouldn't blame those kids at all because it is a really cool environment. I still get excited going into that stadium every time for the whiteout. It's it's cool. Um, they've got some bigger names too, some 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 five star kids too, Dustin. Yeah, no, uh, a couple. Um, Alice Robinson the fourth from IMG Academy is a cornerback, uh, five star. Uh, Ernest Willor is an edge rusher from IMG. The interesting thing with those guys is that they're down there, and as you've seen, you know, you've seen some, you know, Penn State commits Penn State targets make that trek as well uh Willers from Baltimore uh Robinson's from New York so it's not like these guys are coming out of nowhere uh that that can help Penn State to have roots in this region and have family in this region uh and to still get them here and um you mentioned you know with Whittington maybe he's got a buddy coming if he's got a buddy coming that buddy better be a really good football prospect because James Franklin talked this week this isn't the trip to bring a bunch of friends along this is a tight you know, everybody wants to come. So if your buddy's coming, he better be a four-star too. Yeah, Franklin always talks about this week being just a logistical nightmare because there are you know, so many people on the sidelines. And they don't let us – I mean, they let, obviously, the photographers and videographers and stuff on the sidelines before the game. Uh, they don't let reporters on the sideline before the game. Some Big Ten stadiums do. Some Big Ten stadiums don't. And, you know, before the Ohio game or before the Central Michigan game, you know, there's people on the sidelines. You're looking around. And you're like, oh yeah, we could be out there. Like, why don't they just let us down there for the whiteout? It's it's like sardines down there during during the pregame because you got you know, not only just all the all the uh, recruits. You know, this this weekend the 2023, 24, 20, even 25 guys. You've got former players coming back. You've got you know the 2012 team is going to be honored uh, this weekend, and so you've got a whole lot going on. And James Franklin is you know he's the CEO. He's the guy you know, excuse me, handling all of this. And so it's difficult. You can't just have, you know, 10 buddies come with you, you know, maybe for the Central Michigan game, maybe, maybe Ohio, uh, maybe in, in, you know, in a few weeks, uh, Maryland, but uh, not, not the whiteout. They're going to be going 107K strong just on the sidelines uh, for the whiteout game coming up. Penn State, a four and a half point favorite, a huge recruiting weekend. We'll kind of try to track, all that, obviously, check out everything we got going. Preview-wise, PennLive.com slash Penn State Football. And obviously, recapping, for better or worse, whatever happens in this game, Penn State a favorite to get back on track. Uh, the parallels between now and 2016, they got shellacked at Michigan in 2016. They were in a battle up until late in the game against Minnesota the very next week. They found a spark, and that spark continued the rest of the season. That's everybody's what everybody's hoping for in the Penn State program that follows them. We'll see what happens. Big game in that regard. Uh, so follow along there. And as always, Blue White Breakdown episodes are available everywhere you can download podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location.